G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, it is Friday the 9th of February and we're up to episode 218 of the podcast this week. And this week I did want to revisit a topic that I covered a few times back uh, towards the end of last year, which is the use of AppArmor to restrict the use of unprivileged user namespaces in Ubuntu, something that we are still pursuing for uh, the upcoming LTS release, Ubuntu 24.04 LTS. So I wanted to give an update on the progress there. And we will do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. So this week, there were 39 unique CVEs addressed by the team. And first up was an update for Postfix. So this was for a single CVE that was actually announced back uh, towards the end of last year. So on the 18th of December, during the holiday break, I may add, uh, SEC Consult published a report about a new technique uh, for email spoofing, which they dubbed SMTP smuggling. Now, at the time, that did garner a bunch of press coverage. Uh, it did affect a number of um, mail providers, plus various open source projects, in this case, Postfix. And uh, this vulnerability, they dubbed it SMTB smuggling because it's quite similar to uh, HTTP request smuggling. It relies on exploiting differences in how the SMTP protocol is interpreted by outbound or originating uh, email servers compared to how it's uh, interpreted by inbound or receiving SMTP servers. Uh, and that's kind of similar to a HTTP request smuggling where you kind of got a front end and a back end and they each interpret different HTTP headers slightly differently. Uh, in particular though, for SMTP smuggling, it's about the interpretation of the end of data sequence uh, character feed. So that's uh, carriage return line feed, uh, carriage return line feed. And that gets interpreted loosely between uh, the two different uh, servers so that it's possible to essentially include extra SMTP commands within uh, the body of a message. They then would go on to be interpreted as an additional SMTP commands to be executed by the receiving email server. And it would then um, not just receive the original email, but actually receive two email emails when only one was sent in the first place. And as a result, the usual um, SPF checks and things get bypassed for that second email. So then you can do things like uh, bypass the normal uh, DMARC policies and stuff to spoof emails from various domains to those receivers. So uh, this did affect a number of projects, like I said, including Postfix. Uh, upstream, Postfix released a version pretty quickly after this was announced. So on the 22nd of December, they released uh, version 3.8.4 and a bunch of others to uh, address it. Uh, we then originally released some updates uh, with that fix in place. But then on the 21st of January, they released a more robust fix with some additional config options to increase the interoperability of this feature while still preventing uh, SMTB smuggling. And so this second update that we've done now includes that reworked fix. So that update is now available to all users uh, going all the way back to Ubuntu 14.04, available through Ubuntu Pro and all the way through to Ubuntu 23.10, uh, the Mantic Minotaur, the current interim release. After that, we had an update for Run C, a single CVE here all the way back to Ubuntu 18.04, as well as 20.04 LTS, 22.04 LTS, and 23.10. In this case, uh, the issue was described as an internal file descriptor leak that was then uh, able to be abused by someone if they could create a specially crafted container image that would then allow an attacker to cause a newly spawned container using that image to have a working directory that was within the host file system namespace. So instead of being within its own uh, mount namespace, which in turn could then allow an attacker to escape the container into the host. 
Uh, they then described three different ways that that um, vulnerability could actually be abused in a number of different attacks. Uh, the full details of that are available in their upstream advisory uh, on GitHub. But yeah, that one has been fixed. Uh, and yeah, the ability to break out of uh, unprivileged containers certainly warrants yeah, a good response. The GNU C library was updated after that for three CVEs in the most recent release, so Ubuntu 23.10, the Mantic Minotaur. Uh, this is the latest round of vulnerabilities discovered by uh, the Qualys researchers, and all of these were affecting uh, the syslog system call. As I said, there were three different vulnerabilities here, a heap buffer overflow, an off by one buffer overflow, and an integer overflow. Of these, the heat buffer overflow is the most severe. Uh, Qualys were able to demonstrate that they could exploit it uh, on an up-to-date uh, default install of Fedora 38 and to uh, escalate their privileges from a local unprivileged user to root. In this case, the implementation of the syslog system call is using uh, the value of argv at zero, which is uh, usually where uh, the program name is specified for whatever you're executing. So uh, when you execute a uh, program, it gets given uh, an array of arguments. So that's things like the command line arguments that you pass it when you run it on the command line. But in the first of those at index zero is the actual name of the binary itself normally. And so it then uses that in a call to smprintf, which then prints that into a fixed size buffer allocated on the stack. Now, you know, might be thinking that's where the buffer overflow is, but no, uh, snprintf uh, is the um, length-based version of the printf call. That means it checks the size of whatever you're printing into, or you tell it the size of whatever you're printing into, and it won't overflow that, so it doesn't overflow it. But if you tell it uh, to print more characters than will fit into that buffer, as I say, it won't overflow that, it will return, but it returns with a length value that would have been the length that it would have printed if it could have fit it all in there. And it's up to you then to check that, you know, if the length is greater than you expected, then you know that it was likely to overflow. Um, as a result, as I say, it returns this length uh, that's much larger, uh, that then bypasses some other checks that are in the syslog uh, call after that, as a result, uh, a length value never gets set, so it's set to zero. Uh, a heat buffer gets allocated using that, but adding one to it to add an extra null terminator, so you get a single byte buffer that's allocated. And then the full data, including both uh, the you know, program name plus everything else, gets copied into that, and that's just the traditional heat-based buffer overflow. Now, since the attacker can easily control the value of argv at zero, they can write arbitrary data to the heap just by using a crafted program name. And that is very easy to do. You can just use, uh, say, like the bash built-in called exec to execute something else. And if you pass the dash a argument to that, you can just specify it any arbitrary string or any other value to use as the uh, program name. So it's very easy to do. Uh, and then they use this against basically uh, various set UID binaries, in particular uh, the SU binary. It's usually used for uh, you know, elevating your privileges to root or running something as some other user. Uh, that, that then will internally call syslog uh, under various circumstances. And so you can abuse that then uh, to essentially get your privilege escalation that way. That was fixed for glibc in uh, Mantic. Then uh, we had an update for the X server for some of our older releases, essentially uh, for Ubuntu 16.04 ESM and 18.04 ESM. Uh, there was some security updates for that recently and there was some regressions. So we've shipped uh, the regressions there for those older releases. Then we had an update for 
Image Magic, uh, and this goes all the way back to uh, 1404, again available through Ubuntu Pro and part of ESM, but all the way through to 2204 LTS. Now, Image Magic is in uh, the universe part of the archive, and so these updates are available via Ubuntu Pro. You know, if you're not subscribed to Ubuntu Pro, hey, you can subscribe for free for up to five machines. Uh, just visit ubuntu.com/pro. In this case, uh, it was a heap used after free in the BMP decoder, uh, likely uh, denial of service to be triggered through that, so causing it to crash but uh, it's also the possibility to uh, get code execution through a crafted file you know if you were able to do the right things there uh, OpenSSL was updated for four CVEs uh, these were all treated as a low priority uh, and these are on our more recent releases so 2004 LTS 2204 and 2310 two of these were CPU based denial of service issues where OpenSSL would spend an excessive amount of time trying to check an invalid RSA or X9.42 uh, Diffie-Hellman keys uh, there was also a null pointer dereference uh, that could be triggered when parsing a malicious uh, PKSC12 file. Also, there was an issue specific uh, to PowerPC, and that is the PPC64EL architecture on Ubuntu. You know, we used to do uh, PowerPC itself, so 32-bit uh, power port, but uh, that's been a long time since that's been around. Um, so it was possible in this case uh, to corrupt application state since uh, the implementation of the Poly1305 um, message authentication code uh, implementation was hand-coded assembly, and the order in which it would save contents of the vector registers was different um, when it saved them compared to when it restored them and so then as a result some of those would get corrupted when you would return back to the caller uh, this is really only relevant though on newer PowerPC processors which support uh, the power ISA of 2.07 uh, set of instructions but yeah that's been fixed as well there for OpenSSL uh, libssh was updated for a couple uh, vulnerabilities uh, for our older releases so uh, 1604 and 1804 now what else Django was updated for a regular expression denial of service vulnerability if you were using the int comma template uh, and that goes all the way back to 1804 and the releases since we had some Linux kernel updates for uh, Oracle users so for the Oracle cloud uh, and those I would have talked about those back in last week's episode and I talked about all the kernel vulnerabilities then so take a listen to that and finally, uh, we had an update for Firefox for Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. Uh, so this is the latest upstream release, 120.0.1, which is a like a point release for some minor regressions that were in the previous security release that I talked about last week. Uh, and this actually includes uh, a fix. So if you happen to be using the Yaru Remix theme uh, on your Ubuntu desktop, that will now uh, respect that properly. So yeah, that one is uh, now out for our users on Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. And on other releases, you've got the snap app. All right, and that is it for the week in security updates. So the other thing that I wanted to cover in this week's episode is the recent developments that the AppArmor team has been working on for unprivileged user namespace restrictions in the upcoming uh, LTS release, so Ubuntu 24.04. Uh, this will be released in April later this year. And I have previously talked about this work uh, in the context of the current interim release that's about to 2310 the mantic minotaur uh, so a couple of times back in episode 205 and then 211 on the kind of work we were doing there and we're now looking at a bunch of evolutions to that work to make it easier so if you're not familiar with it and you haven't listened back to those episodes that's okay i'll do a brief summary here so 
user namespaces provide a mechanism for operating as a different uh, user ID on a Linux system. In particular, you can do things like, say, operate as UID zero within a namespace, uh, but then uh, what you can do in there is generally constrained by what you could have done as your previously unprivileged user ID outside of that namespace. Uh, but because you can now be user ID zero, you can do things like, say, get um, CapNet admin, so the capability for doing network administration effectively. And so you can do things like then create firewall rules and things that only affect applications within that namespace and not within the host system. So it's useful for doing things like that, but it's also useful for things like doing isolation and so various things like uh, the sandbox in Chrome or Firefox they use username spaces to isolate other various processes there so in my case let's say I take my unprivileged user and I create an unprivileged user namespace and within that I then have uh, you know access say to, like I said capnet admin what that does is that actually exposes additional kernel attack surface area like I said I can access things like you know create network firewall rules and things like that and what we've found over time is that various bugs have been found in these different subsystems like you know say within I don't know I talk about different net filter bugs that are in the Linux kernel and things uh, that you know can be abused for doing things like you know out of bounds rights and all that kind of stuff and normally those are only accessible say by uh, the root user but within this case as I said you can have an unprivileged user get access to uh, these facilities within an unprivileged user namespace so it can then mount attacks against these different subsystems of the kernel as a result and so within Ubuntu there's always been a way to globally turn off unprivileged user namespaces however like I said they are used by many common things like you know sandboxes and things within your browser and so it's not really a feasible solution for the distro Instead, what we would prefer is a much more fine-grained control over what applications can use unprivileged user namespaces. Ideally, you know, only those things that need access to them would get them and everything else would be denied. So that means that you know, any malware or maybe any compromised application uh, that wanted to use them can't get access to them. Uh, you know, that's the uh, traditional principle of least privilege uh, in operation there. And so previously when I've talked about this, I've talked about how with AppArmor we can actually now control the ability whether you can use username spaces or not. So part of that is that if you've got, say, an AppArmor profile for an application, you can then make sure that it includes this new user and S permission so that it can use uh, username spaces. And the idea that we have a second setting as well in the kernel that then says if anything doesn't have an AppArmor profile and it tries to use username spaces, it should get denied that, uh, which is kind of, I guess, a different way of operating because traditionally things that don't have an AppArmor profile get you know, all permissions that they normally get. So yeah, that's one way of tightening this down. Uh, but it does then mean there are lots of things that within the archive and others that want to use username spaces uh, but you know that they then get denied this and that they don't operate very well as a result so uh, John and Georgia from the AppArmor team have been working on a number of enhancements here in particular adding a new default functionality where you can define within the AppArmor policy uh, that when an application tries to use a username space it then transitions into a different AppArmor profile and so we can then use that to then say that if something is unconfined, so it doesn't have an AppArmor profile already, and it tries to use a username space, it then gets dumped into a new profile, which then doesn't grant it the ability to access any capabilities, but it can still do everything else. And what that then is useful for is the application can still you know, go and do whatever it needs to do, but it can't say, in this case, get CapNet Admin, it can't get access to these different kernel features or these different kernel attack surface areas that you know, traditionally user namespaces have provided. Uh, and so, yeah, that gives us a lot more flexibility there. That means that, you know, an application that wants to create a new user namespace can do that. It just can't, as I say, gain any additional permissions within that. 
Uh, various sandboxing frameworks work a lot better with this way of behaving. So rather than being denied the ability to create the user namespace, they are allowed to create it, but then they can't gain additional permissions. And they usually deal with that sort of failure further down the track better than if we deny it sort of early on. And in addition, it kind of matches the semantics that we really want to be achieving here because it's not the user namespace itself that is the real problem. It's the ability to kind of get access to these capabilities within it that is the, I guess, the real um, security threat that we've got. So yeah, it matches more the semantics that we need. Uh, so as part of this, uh, there are you know some kernel changes that need to support that, plus some changes to AppArmor itself, uh, the AppArmor parser and other bits. Uh, in addition, Georgia on our team has been busy testing various applications within the archive and across the whole Linux ecosystem as well to ensure that we do ship any required profiles for them out of the box so that as many different pieces of software continue to work as you expect with this in place. Uh, the AppArmor package in Noble now uh, does automatically enable this uh, restriction out of the box and these updates are now in the AppArmor package in the Noble proposed pocket. So, you know, maybe even by the time you're listening to this, that will have migrated out and if you're running, uh, you know, the currently in development uh, version of Noble, you will uh, be able to make use of this. Um, the other part, like I said, that is needed here is some additional kernel support. So John has been working on some kernel patches. Uh, they're in the hands of the kernel team. They've already been rolled into their Linux unstable kernel, and that's available through uh, the kernel team's unstable PPA. It hasn't yet landed in Noble itself, but it will eventually get there. Uh, so yeah, this is on, but it will eventually get there and you'll be able to use that. So in the meantime, if you are uh, wanting to test this, you can just uh, enable that PPA and install it. Uh, plus, yeah, once that new AppArmor package has rolled out of proposed as well. So all in all, we're on track to have this additional security hardening feature uh, enabled by default for 2404. As I said, it already is in the development release and you know, we're hoping to keep this restriction enabled uh, so that you, know, you are protected out of the box. Uh, we're hoping to cover basically all the different uh, rough edges and things before then. Uh, and so yeah, it really is um, a real step up, I think, for uh, security in Ubuntu. It's really closing off one of the most popular avenues that there has been for mounting kernel exploits that we've seen in the last few years. So I will bring you any additional updates that we do have to that work. I expect there probably will be a few more before uh, 2404 does come out in uh, April. So look out for those. But that does bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks everyone for listening again for another week. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can always email us at security@ubuntu.com, or you can come and chat to us on libera.chat, the IRC network in the Ubuntu security channel there. Or you can come and hit us up on Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu security at fosterdon.org there as well. Okay, so I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.